0: what is up everybody i'm your host kyle pig and welcome back to another episode of crossing broadcast got a lot to talk to you about today trade turner redemption story we've got florio versus howie and at 12 15 about 15 minutes we've got keith pompey coming up but first let's talk to kevin kincaid and bring him on you gonna play nice with the pick guy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, I always tell uh, Keith when I see him at Sixers games, I would tell him he's my favorite Panther. My favorite Pit Panther. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Hot seat Dan Marino. Hot seat Kenny yeah. Pickett. Hot seat Devin Caney, who's been on this program before, too. That's kind of wrong by you. You're supposed to be Switzerland, and now you're just choosing your favorites of guests that we had. Not right by you.
1: No, I know. I, whenever I bump into a, a Pit Panther, I just tell them they're my favorite Pit Panther. So it just changes to whoever's. Uh, Happens to be on the show at the time, but uh,
0: no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, hail to pit. Look at you playing, yeah, playing the long game, playing the con game. Hey, yeah, how's your bitchy ass mower doing?
1: <laughs> Took a first spin yesterday, man. I was a fucking beast. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. That thing come with
0: a tampon. Look at
1: that thing. That thing <laughs> It was. uh I did the whole. I think I did the whole front, the whole back, and like everything that I could do on the hill. I did it in like twenty minutes, man. It's amazing. Yeah, the funny
0: thing is, Kevin only has a five by five square foot yard, but it took him twenty minutes because it t- that thing only runs at two miles per hour. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. It ran. It ran so fast, I almost tipped it over. I was trying to go up a hill, like there's like multiple modes or whatever. And I'm like, I need enough juice to get up the hill here. And I started to feel <laughs> slow down, and it's like, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like leaning forward on the deck like this, like trying to push my like weight forward, so I didn't topple my uh, my uh, brand new riding. Mode. No, it's it's great, man. Don't knock the battery power, man. There's a lot of juice in that thing. It's got. Like you said you couldn't
0: buttons. even get up the hill.
1: No, you got to set it to the right. Like mu- there's multiple modes, right? So there's the, it like locks your. I, I don't know how to explain it. like certain give you a certain kind of speed right there's one that keeps you in control there's another that's like in the middle and then they have this like other thing called sport mode where I took it out mm. to, the, I took it out to the cul-de-sac and I was just like like running around as fast as I could but I was moving it was moving like a golf cart you know
0: you're doing donuts out in the on the uh, cul-de-sac with your electric yeah, yeah, lawnmower yeah all the yeah, dads I'm, peering out the window looking like look at that guy over there no I
1: told my I told my uh, my daughter she wanted to go out for a ride on it and uh my <laughs> wife my wife was like you think that's a good idea I'm like well what do you I mean I'm not like taking it out on like 363 you know I was just gonna put her on my lap and like go out to the cul-de-sac and do do a couple do a couple loops and bring her back to the driveway so I don't know they're fascinated with it. they just want to like crawl on and to play on uh, it. you don't you don't like the battery man there's like, a compartment in the back there where you can stick six of them back there you can put six huge batteries in there it looks like a weapon from like a shooter game where you got you put these like like power cells into it or something and you just get like as much juice as as possible, man. The only thing is that I blew a circuit in my house trying to charge it.
0: There you go, there uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my
1: cousin's an electrician. He's coming over later today to take a look at
0: it. <laughs> oh my god, it, it's, you're such a hypocrite. Growing up in Boyertown, like coal country, like up there, things were just run on gasoline, you know. And now look at you yeah. with electric motor. What's it next, a Tesla? You I still must- drive a
1: truck, man. I drive a truck that I put gas in. I mean, I'm not like I'm not some like hippie, like oatmeal shit up here. You know, it's like if I got to use gas or something, you're going to use gas. But I don't know. The battery gets the job done, man. It's it's, you know, I got my drop my my driveway. My, my garage doesn't have any gas, doesn't have any belts, doesn't have any spark plugs, doesn't have any oil clean, man. We're clean and green. You need to get with the program, man. I'm what I'm sick of is your anti-suburban shit because you're from the suburbs and you're always like, oh I'm not, you know, well, yes. battery powered mowers and shit. Like, what do you, what are you some like hipster? It's like fair This country of was no, I'm
0: an, I'm the anti-hipster. This country was founded on fossil fuels and fracking, okay? Fossil fuels <laughs> and fracking. All right. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, don't tell Shapiro that or else he's probably never coming back on the show. You know, <laughs> he knew that we were uh, into, into fracking or doing fracking jokes. Or, no, it's a beast, man. I'll get you over sometime. You can take it out for a spin. All
0: right. Yeah. And yeah then yeah, you yeah. won't
1: be talking shit about it anymore. <laughs>
0: um, all right. So let's get into Trey tree. Turner. Booing works. Bullying works. How many times <laughs> in Philadelphia have we seen that bullying actually works? It was an emotional roller coaster of a game. Oh my God! Oh for four. Trey Turner in the middle of a twenty-two for twenty slump. Excuse me, swinging at God knows what. If you saw that, uh, if you saw that fourth at bat, the pitch, the, the he went a full Javi Baez, and you never go full Javi. Swung at it, and it was probably two feet in front of him. Craig's pulling up a the little, picture. Yeah, just a little out, out, little out in front here. Whoa, oh, that ball almost—that ball almost didn't make it to the plate. I don't think it actually did make it to the plate. It was actually a wild pitch. It was terrible. I don't even um, think
1: so, that was the worst. I don't even think that was the worst pitch that he swung at. On, the next uh, one? Event, yeah.
0: <laughs> the, other, the other one was like way out of the zone too, wasn't it? At, at this point, like before, like if you would have talked to me about 12 hours ago and asked if I – or 24 hours ago and asked if I could have struck out Trey Turner, I would just felt – I would have just thrown four gopher balls, threw four dirt balls, and he would have swung at at least yeah. three of them. Was that his, was that
1: his Alec Bohm, I fucking hate this place moment? Like the, the, there were boos when he, when he struck out there, there were booze. He was walking off the booze, but it wasn't some, uh, you know, big quote, big, like whatever thing. It was like rock bottom probably.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, he's come out and does. said he sucks. He's come out and said he knows he's wrong. And then he's come out and said that he knows um, he's not playing well and that his mom boos him herself. Yeah. Like he supposedly his mom <laughs> raised him. She put him through the ringer coming up through uh, coming up through Little League and, and Connie Mack and all that stuff, because yeah. supposedly she boot him after the fourth uh, after the fourth at bet. But I mean, he comes up in the ninth. and He ties it two two. I, you know, the sicko in me would have loved to see him strike out just because I wanted to see how loud the booze could have gotten. Yeah. But. It was an emotional roller coaster of a game. It was a uh, it was a great redemption arc by Trey Turner, and now everyone can just be like, "Hey, Trey Turner's back." And if the Phillies if the Phillies rattle off, they're about to go on a ten game road trip. If they rattle off like eight of the of the next ten, like I don't think anyone would be surprised. I think everyone would be like, "Hey, point back to that Trey Turner, you know, coming back from five nothing and uh, and winning that game."
1: We've had so many of these in recent years. It feels like there's at least one or two per year. You know, I mean, we had Alec Boehm last year. We had Ben Simmons in the playoffs telling people stay on that side after the Nets series. Miles um, Sanders, Miles Sanders, boo players. Yeah, don't boo the players. That was
0: that yeah. was probably off the top of my head one of the worst twenty one of the worst twenty four hours I can remember. Um, everybody had a stance on if you should boo players, if you shouldn't boo players, and my stance on booing <laughs> players has always been it's probably the least harmful thing you can do to get your point across to another athlete.
1: Yeah. And um, I think I just write a same one. I feel like I recycle that same column like every time it comes around, you know, <laughs> it, it, with just a different version of saying that you uh, it, like the one thing that people don't I don't think that people talk about enough when it comes to booing is that fans don't have any other way to communicate to the players. You know, yeah. it's, it's not like they're down there at the press conference and they can ask questions. It's not like they can go up and t- they're going to go up and talk to them after the game and be like, "Yo, you got to get your shit together. I mean, that's how they tell them. You know that it's not good
0: barring, you know, barring that someone's like, you know, threatening your family on Twitter or uh, telling you how much you suck on Twitter and not many people respond to it except for Matt Strom. Um, But like that's like that's what the thing is where it's like, you know, I, I boo you. Booing is harmless. It's not like I'm throwing popcorn on you or I'm or I'm threatening your family. And we've seen, you know, guys go through slumps. Bryce had a couple years ago. He had went through a viral video where he was like, "Shut the fuck up" to one of the fans behind the uh, yeah behind yeah. the dugout, which was yeah. which was Tobias awesome. To Harris, see.
1: Tobias Harris, right? Tobias didn't he tell him to, the, to Tobias, fuck no, off? No, don't clap. Uh, don't, don't don't clap. yo. Um, what did he say? Stay the fuck over there, or something. See, there's so no, no, many. Tobias no, was,
0: even... Remember Tobias? Like, don't clap. No, don't clap. Because we booed yeah, him for like right. three straight possessions. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, don't fucking clap.
1: Is that the? Was that the yeah. one? Yeah. 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 January. Let I'm pulling up the story right now.
0: January fourth,
1: 2022.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nobody. Oh, nobody died. I just got booed. Right. Mm-hmm and that's a th- and that's a perfect way to handle it. Now, you know, in the in the in the pressure of the moment wasn't handled the perfect way, but you know, it was uh at the end of the day it was it was, it was handled well and people will have booed for eternity and they will keep booing for eternity after this and stuff and we will move on and and, and players that are grown adults will will move on and they'll be okay and everything and once they right. have time to themselves will be like, "Hey, I probably shouldn't have handled it that way." And you know, we just we just we just move on and 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 people that say, you know, the reason why free agents don't come here uh, is because we boo and then we sign Hassan Reddick, Trey Turner, re-sign James Harden, sign Nick Cassiano, sign Kyle Schwarber, sign James Bradbury, all pros, all stars, MVPs and whatnot are wrong as, as well. I was looking at the Tobias Harris
1: story. I started laughing because Dan Burke was the acting coach at the time when Doc was out. Um, So they had to ask Dan Burke about the, <laughs> the booing af- afterwards. And uh I think he, I think he won, I think they won that game too cuz I think Dan Burke was like 2 and 0 or something and they ended, ended up won. coming
0: back in that game. That was a very bad like early January like I think they were playing down to their opponents. Do you remember who they were playing? Uh
1: no, I X'd out of it, but I did I did write in the story that Tobias had 14 points on 15, 15 shots yeah. in that game. So it was it was a it was a Tobias uh Well, not much has changed. Special. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, the booing thing. is just, I mean, it's like cyclical. You know, it happens. People boo. They get better, and then they they cheer. Everybody has their like Alec Bone moment, unless you're Sean Rodriguez, mm-hmm. you know. And then you just kind of fade into obscurity. But did you? Um, were you watching the game when the the Craig Kimbrell and Josh Rojas thing happened? I did, and I was very confused about what was going on. I don't think anybody knew what was going on because Awful Announcing shared the video and they had Kruk and McCarthy talking over, but I don't think Kruk was um explaining it correctly. I don't think he understood
0: the rule. The guy doesn't know the guy doesn't know where the Mike Schmidt statue is. He's never seen the CP ranking dugout or CP ranking roof that's been out there in center field for three years. Uh, and he doesn't know any of the rules. He doesn't know where the pitch speed is half the time. I like Kruk, but the guy definitely does not the guy just shows up and Let's T Mac do all the work and he just fills in the color, which he's supposed to.
1: Yeah, I, it was weird because I was listening. Well, it was funny too, because I just did the Trey Turner. I did the story about the Turner getting booed off the field, um, you know, after the strikeout. And I got in the car to go pick up the girls, and then he hit the hit the two run home and I was like, Oh shit, can you get that for me and throw that up and correct the whatever thing? And I was listening in the in the car and um Fransky was trying to explain it i don't think he had a clear idea of what was going on either because they had the disca- it was like two different things right they had the discussion with rojas and the umpires and um the d-backs manager and they're all standing there and
0: then like nothing happened there's no because yeah, rojas right? stepped out at around 10 seconds or nine seconds i believe and he's supposed to be set by eight <laughs> seconds so it turns out that like he should have been awarded a strike then it turns out that Kimbrel fast pitched him i believe yeah, so and- it's,
1: it's so they had so the first part of it was like Rojas stepping out, and then they had this discussion, and nothing happens, and people thought he was like gonna they were gonna strike him out and, and issue him a strike, but that didn't happen. So he comes back, and then the issue is that Kimbrel's like like starting his his motion while Rojas still has a foot outside of the the batter's box, which you can't even see by the way because of all the, the dirt, right? But the point being, like Kimbrel was coming set before Rojas was able to like I don't know what the terminology is establish that he's in the box or make eye contact with him, whatever you whatever you want to call it. And so that's why they came out and you know hit him with hit, hit him with the ball. Because right, you know, like you were saying, the rule is that the batter's got to establish like the, the contact with the pitcher by the eight second mark. Right. But the pitcher can't start his, you know, start his wind up his motion. It's his, a very
0: convoluted up. rule that like obviously the pitchers are are annoyed about and don't fully understand. Obviously, sometimes the batters either mess up or they don't fully understand it. Obviously, there was a whole thing that happened in Miami that John Boy broke down that they didn't understand. They called timeout. Um calls timeout. Catcher calls timeout. They award the batter a ball. It's just – We'll continue to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. No, and 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 I know every. Some people hate the pitch clock. Some people love the pitch clock. Some people hate the rules, but love the pitch clock. Blah blah blah. They'll figure it out. I I I I, even Rob Manfred, I believe, will figure it out. It's all just getting through, you know, every game and being like, hey, you know, until it's like, you know, introducing the three point line, and then we understand, you know, what the three point line is, or what the eight second rule is, or what you know, five seconds in the lane is a technical, like all that stuff. It 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 just,
1: but it's annoying. It is annoying. It is annoying for sure. I mean, like when you listen to Fransky call the games, like he's he can't cannot even begin to cover up his disdain for the for Mm -hmm. the changes. You know, I mean, he's like openly. It's not even suggestive. He's just like, "What are we doing?" You know, like, "What are we doing out here?" And um, like I get it, but they're 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 always. It's like the example I bring up all the time. It's like when they made the lowering the helmet change in the uh, NFL. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I mean, they're flagging it every freaking time, you know, and so it got to the yeah. point where fans—it was like the biggest story
0: for like three weeks. You know, I think I did like. Four and then the, the well. NFL sends out a memo, and yeah. they don't flag it anymore. Yeah. So it's like, what, why are we even instituting the room? It's just like passing. You parents. need a sample <laughs> size. You're right, man. You need a sample size of this
1: stuff to to figure out like what's wrong with it, because I don't think they could predict all the pic, pitch com bullshit that was being used to game the system. I don't think they predicted what was going to happen when Kimbrel starts going like this, and the guy's not in the box. Right. So now you you play it out, you have these examples of what works and what doesn't work. And then you sit everybody back down again and say, okay, we're gonna make the following tweaks based on this. You know, we're gonna make an exception for Bryce Harper to put his uh elbow guard on. You know what I mean? So you're yeah, getting all specific instances, you know. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's like it, you're gonna have to work everything, you gotta work the kinks out in. You know, when I took the battery powered mower, I almost flipped it. So then I got some experience with that, and I'm not gonna flip it next time. So right you you've you get, get some like examples yeah. of what what works and what doesn't work you know it's not some. i short some circuited
0: the entire house my kids can't play with their easy bake oven because it needs to be plugged into a socket because you know my yeah, I blew the microwave go.
1: the mi- i gotta run an extension cord into my microwave now but we'll figure it out you know so it's all yeah uh, it's good, well, I, I just hope it's yeah i just hope it's for turner it's like i don't know because you're always looking for that everybody is always looking for that like that that like moment you know, where you can point to Alec Bohm, like a clear distinction of the I fucking hate this place. And that was changed the trajectory of his entire Phillies career. Right. So I don't know. Was that the moment for Turner getting those booze coming off and then, you know, hit, hitting the bomb? I mean, Maybe. I don't know. You always think it's going to be some huge, like big, like talking point kind of moment. But we did. We barely even had time to throw one story up on the site before he hit the bomb, you know. So if he turned it around, that was a pretty. Quick one, but we'll see. We'll
0: yeah, see. And no, it's been interesting. I've been reading some stuff with him and Kevin Long. They're were, they were kind of like working, working, working in the uh, cage so much that Long was kind of like, Yo, dude, like you're kind of overworking right now. And, you know, Trey Turner's mm-hmm. that kind of guy who takes it really seriously. He's not, you know, you're not going to see him at like Club Brosquet. You're not going to see him in the clubs or anything. He's like kind of baseball, 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 baseball guy. And like yeah. he's going to turn it around. I never was really worried about Trey Turner, but man, when he was swinging out of the zone, I think he had one of the highest. Uh, swing rates outside of the zone for pitches and whatnot. And it was kind of like, what the hell is going on with this guy? Like, it's like, it was like Castellanos-esque. But like, we, like John Hamm was talking about it in his, uh, in his hilarious uh, promo video that they did for his free agency, where it's like, basically he's slump proof. And it was like, well, I think John Hamm just lied to us because he had like three different 20 game hitting streaks last year. And it was like, who the hell is this guy that we have, Trey Turner? This is not the Trey Turner that we signed for 300 million in 13 odd years. Well, he and
1: you know, I mean, he's a guy who's gonna try to get on base, and he's gonna be aggressive, and he's gonna swing. So, so nobody, nobody should be surprised by the fact that he's striking out or swinging and missing. You know, it's it's that he was, it, it's that it looked like he wasn't recognizing anything that was coming at him. Like you're getting pitches in the zone that he he looked like he had no clue what was coming, just guessing. You know, like waiting for a certain pitch and getting something completely different. So it was it was it was less about. I think that that clip that we showed is exemplifies that because he's just swinging a trash. It's not that he's swinging, it's a swinging at garbage. It's not even close. So, like, even the, but even the stuff that's like in the zone that's hittable, he's like, can't even, he couldn't even seem to read that, you know, at least until the home run. But, you know, I think Bob's stat that he pulled and threw up on Twitter was that he was like, is that Trey Turner was like three hitting 314 or something against lefties over the last three or four years, and then he was down to like 208, you know. So it's like just evidence that they fell off a cliff a little, but I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not super, super, super super surprised by it because he's a guy who's, who who is going
0: to swing, you know? And then you see him like hit a home run. That swing is one of the most beautiful swings in baseball. I mean, the, yeah. the, you could replace the MLB logo with Trey Turner swing. It is that beautiful. <laughs> like, it should, be, I know. like I know. it should be hung up I in know. the Philadelphia Museum of Art. It is so beautiful when he gets a hold of one and he just finishes with the bat off the hand right over the shoulder and everything. Ooh. Yeah. But
1: Ooh, that's what I'm I was saying beaters. as far as that the other day because you remember when I made that comment about um, it's it's hard to talk about baseball because there's so many games or so many bats and stuff like that. As soon as I got that story up there, beautiful <sighs> like story. Beautiful. Let's just take it in for a moment. Oh, Beautiful. Um, I'm sweating. But yeah, I mean, as soon as I got that story up, right, it's like I couldn't even get in the damn car before he hit a home run, you know? So uh, there's just.
0: <laughs> there's Baseball's so weird. I know. I know. It's, it's, it, it, it's, you, a, you, things, you, you, you know? go three for 10. You only get on base 30% of the time. You get a hit 30% of the time. You're in the Hall of Fame. It's a weird. It's weird game. It's a weird game. Yeah. It's all good. We're but I'll tell bring you what's not on? weird. Should I will tell you what's not on? weird. Let's not down. weird at all. Our guest Keith Pompey, Sixers there beat is. writer Keith, how are you, buddy? I'm I'm well I'm well. You, you good? Yeah, you we're good. good. We're good. We're your... live right now.
1: You tying Enjoying your shoes it? there? Huh? What are you tying your shoes? It looks like you were holding shoelaces there. No, nah,
2: it is a shoelace though. It is one. I got these. Uh, I'm I'm in the sneakers, so I got these shoelaces. But then they sent me these, and I'm like, well, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna rock these. You know, I don't think huh? maybe during october uh, Breast cancer month uh well for that and and maybe for mother's day next year i'll hold them but um <laughs> like but it. you know but I, I don't think i'm a i'm i a, i'm looking at them like i don't think i'm a rock it's all
0: good <laughs> have you seen uh have you seen air yet that new movie with the nike and Son and jordan and all that that was a pretty good movie for a sneakerhead mm-hmm. like you i feel like you'd enjoy that
2: uh, i mean you know uh i'm I. but see you gotta realize i'm an old sneakerhead so it's kind of not like you know I'm not hit with my with my sneakers.
0: <laughs> what we rocking? We rocking Con- Converse, PF flyers. What we rocking?
2: Um, right now I got some flip flops on, but uh <laughs> but 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 you know I, I have a I have a lot of sneakers. A lot of sneakers, a lot, too many sneakers. Put it that way, it's like it used to get to a point where you would appreciate this, man. I, I used to have to like uh sneak them in the house. And then it was one of those things where she would say, where do you get those from? Uh, uh, I had these for a while. You just don't remember. That's not what the bank account says. So, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. When you got to share the statements, it's always pretty tough uh, sneaking the sneakers in the house. You and, uh, you and PJ Tucker ever talk about sneakers? I know he's a huge sneakerhead. Got more sneakers than he knows what to do with.
2: Yeah, you should see some of them, though, dude. I mean, you're like, wow. I mean, he, he some of the ones that he wears, like, heck, some of the ones he wears during the game are, like, pricey, right? But then you should see the ones that he just rocks to the game. I mean, one day he has some with, like, diamonds on them. I'm like, really, PJ? Like, you, you sure you don't have, like, five bodyguards with you? I mean, you know, his sneakers <laughs> are ridiculous. Yeah, they're ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but you've never, but but you've never capitulate because some people show up now. They wear the suit and the and like a jacket to the games, but then they go with the sneakers, right? You are, yeah, you are, you are dress shoes because you're a professional. Yeah, yeah, I just,
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I think you have to be. You have to be that guy to pull it off. You know what I mean? I'm not cool enough. There's some dudes that can do it. You know what I mean? They're like, you know, smooth, suave, whatever. Not the old dude with the gray beard. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work out. Like, you know, he just doesn't.
0: <laughs> nah, Keith, Keith, gray's in, man. I, these sides of this head, man, can you catch that in the light? I'm only 30 years old. I got gray's coming in already right now. I'm still rocking, you know, uh, high-top Nikes uh, and stuff. right? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm coming down to the end of, of, of cool. Once you hit 30, it's kind of like, Oh, where do you go from here? Yeah. Your you know? life is up. Oh, I must There's have different. passed
2: that a long time ago, but look, here's the thing. You gotta, you gotta reach over to show your grades. I have to reach over to show some yeah. black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yes.
0: There you go. There you yeah. go. So, so yeah, man, we want, we want to bring you on we appreciate you really coming on and everything. Obviously, uh, we've been reporting on the Sixers coaching search you know what's going on with James Hart and everything um, it's been it's been nuts it's been but it's been exciting um, and I just wanted to I just wanted to first ask you you know what do you who, do, who would you think is the favorite right now from the Sixers organization to potentially land this role obviously Vogel was interviewed this week Nick Nurse seems to be being interviewed this week we Got Monty Williams, according to Woj. We've got Sam Cassell, according to Woj, and a couple other candidates as well. If you kind of had to put your uh, your fingerprints on it, what would you think would be the favorite right now for the Sixers to land the coach?
2: You know, I, I think it, it's kind of like Nick Nurse's job to lose, if you know, in if, if my opinion. And and he also interviewed earlier this week uh, with oh, he the Sixers did? Okay. when he did. Yeah, it already happened. Um, the the thing about him is because when you look at it, you know, first of all, I, I think there are three coaches who are. Who you know won championships as coaches, and and right then and there, that's Budenholzer, that's Frank Vogel, and and that's Nick Nurse, but also when you think about two coaches who are extremely familiar with with um you know with um the Sixers is 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 uh what what is it uh Nurse and uh, Nurse and um Dan Tony right so Mike Dan so you know we're, we're, so when you think about it Nick Nurse. He was their G League coach. He led them to a championship. Now he didn't get his start at the Houston Rockets, but he knows a lot about the system that you know that they really want to run. So the the thing is, I feel like he's the best man for the job, um, and and it, it, they know that. And also, right now you have to get a little creative when it comes down to Joel Embiid, to Tyrese Maxey, and and all these things. And I think that Nick's is is Nick Nurse is the best guy for the job.
1: It's interesting, Keith, because you look at uh, Monty Williams and Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel and and Buddenholzer, Like, the, you know, there's there's like half of the candidates that Woj listed out. They've won titles in the last five years, but then like at the same time, they've coached at a bunch of different places. And so you have this idea of like like the quote unquote retread versus like a guy like Sam Cassell who's never had a head coaching job, and even even uh, Kevin Young. You know, Kevin Young interviewed for the for the Phoenix Suns job. You know, who was Brett's assistant here for a long time. So how do you how do you look at the difference between these experienced guys who have coached before versus like handing the job to like the the next like up and coming like like young assistant?
2: I think right now for the seventy sixers, for where the seventy sixers want to be at, I mean, let's face it, is you know, Doc Rivers got fired because he couldn't get out of the second round, right? Daryl Morey and fired him because of that. So I, I think it's great to say you want to hire someone and they're a great assistant coach. And, you know, the guys love them and everything like that, but you're also putting your job on the line, no matter who you, who you hire. And you don't want it to be kind of sort of like this Boston Celtics situation where we're looking at this coach and he looks clueless. Now, again, I'm not saying Sam Cassell would would be that person because I think he has more experience than this guy. But if you're if someone is telling you that, hey, man, like your job is on the line or, or we better get here, you know, to, for, to keep everything intact. Then if I'm going out to look for someone, it's going to have to be someone who has championship experience. And, and you are right. Like when we talk about the retreads, like let's let's talk about, you know, Budenhozer. Here's a guy who won a championship two years ago. He was in Atlanta and, and you know, it ended poorly for him. And then, you know, he lost the championship here. But the thing I think that separates guys like him and Frank Vogel from Nick Nurse is that, yes, when we look at the talent that these guys had and they won with, Nick Nurse didn't have that sort of talent. Now, he did have Kawhi. We'll give you give him that. He had Kyle Lowry. But then for the most part, those teams that he took to the playoffs were basically role player led. And they played hard and they played well. So when you look at him and you say, I'm going to give him Joel Embiid, I'm going to give him Tyrese Maxey and whoever else is left over, you have to figure that he's going to get them to play uh, greater to a better level than the the previous guys that he had in, in Toronto. So that's the thing I think that separates him from these other guys.
1: Well and Nick Nurse, even when they I mean, because you could say all right, he rode Kawhi say you want to steer this this storyline that he rode Kawhi to a title against like an injured Warriors team. Um, I mean they went that they lost Kawhi and they went to seven against the Celtics the following year in the bubble with Siakam and Lowry and I guess it was still a bit Fred Van Vliet before he kind of like turned the corner. Yeah. So but I don't, I, you know what I'm saying, Keith? I mean, you could craft that for anybody. You could say that Vogel rode LeBron to a title. You could say that Bud rode Giannis to a title. I mean, like, well, n- no shit. Like, when you have great players, like, it's you're, you're going to look like a better player. That's coach. how it is. So so how do action, you, right? like, yeah, so where do you, like, where is the line of, like, demarcation? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, it's funny. that I, I guess, you know, right now you could say it's all great guys, right? And, and like you said, where's the line? But the, the line to me is what you just said, in the bubble. Like, those guys, I mean, you know, Kyle Lowry is a point guard. He's a, you know, he's listed as six foot. He might be that barely right, you know what I mean? But he was able to to lead this team and have success. And and then they made the playoffs again um, a couple of times after that. To me, when you look at Bud, the, the, the thing that scares me about Budenholzer is, and I get it, you got to have great players. But when when he was with the Atlanta Hawks and he became the general manager, also a president of basketball ops, four of his five starters made the all star team that year. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks, this Milwaukee Bucks team is loaded. So, yes, but when it comes down to coaching these teams to be able to win the championship and get to the next level, it comes down to end game adjustments. And some people have been critical of him with his end game adjustments. You know, you look at Frank Vogel when he was he was a great, you know, young coach too, coach in mind, coach in Lifer. But also to me, when he was with the Pacers, it was one of those things where he had a phenomenal team there with the Pacers. People forget about those squads he had. Paul George led. And then, you know, he had the Lakers. Now again, the problem with him is I felt like he didn't get a lot of help because then all of a sudden the Lakers start experimenting with the old dudes. And bringing in the, the the guys who just didn't mesh well, and he became the fall guy. But I just like the way that um, Nick Nurse has just been able to make um, adjustments. How he, he he's won on in Britain, he he's won in the G League. Um, he's just seems like he's always been a coaching mind, and you know he thinks outside of the box. And I feel like when you're desperate, when you're desperate, you have to make it right. And I feel like he's just the best guy because of that.
0: Talking about Vogel, what are the chances he just took the uh, interview just so he could fly back on the Sixers dime and then head right down to Wildwood? You know, being from there from World Day Week, and I think it's kind of a great grift if it was.
2: <laughs> that would that would be hilarious, right? You know, it's one of those things like hey, y'all, is there any way that you guys can, wherever I'm, can you fly me back in a couple days, like on Monday? (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. they wanted to interview him last week. He's like, you know what, I'm busy this week. Let's do it on, like, Monday, maybe Tuesday next week. I think think that fits into my schedule. But
2: I will say this this about Vogel. Um, You know, Elton Brand does like him. Like, I remember I had a couple conversations with him a couple years ago, and he talked about – him being a good basketball coach. And I was like, wow, okay, okay. And, and nothing against but, you know, he's a guy that Elton always had the utmost respect for. So I, I do feel like it's one of those interviews. It wasn't like, oh, well, we got to bring in a a, a candidate who, mm-hmm. uh, who won a title and he checks the box. He's like, you know, a former Sixers assistant, <laughs> you know, this and that. I, I do think there is some interest in there with him okay.
0: you know okay I did want to I did want to talk about one guy who I think is pretty interesting especially if you know Nick Nurse has obviously been linked to a couple of different jobs jobs that I would say are more envious than the uh, than the Sixers and let's say Monty Williams just doesn't doesn't work out Sam Cassell I think a lot of people like Sam Cassell but they don't really know what Sam Kinsell can be like. You know, obviously he helped develop Maxi, he helped James Harden. He's a great player development guy. Is there any insight you have to how much he actually did? Like, was he a part of you know the offensive game plan or the defensive game plan? You know, we always we always kind of go after Doc for for not being able to make adjustments. Was it more Doc making adjustments? Did he be hand in the adjustments and like you know and Doc wouldn't listen? Like, I'm just really interested to see kind of what your opinion on Sam Cassell is and maybe what the, uh, the the organization thinks about Sam Cassell is more of a coach and not a player development guy
2: yeah I think Sam Cassell is, is very let's say well respected within the organization I think that since we we see Sam a lot and people see him like you know he got you know got a little swag to him this and that that I think that you know, some people may not appreciate him from the outside, but I'm here to tell you, like, all the players respect him. And, A, that's the one thing that you have to have. Like, they respect him. Like, he is a voice. Like, if you notice, whenever like, something's going on and one of the assistant coaches who stands up and addresses it is always Sam. Like, if something goes on, Sam is the guy that's going over there. The one thing I will say about him in regards to adjustments or, or what have you, there's only that there's one coach who goes to all the meetings. All the meetings. And that's Sam. So he's heavily evolved on anything. Now he's not the defensive coach. He's not the offensive coach, but he's integral in all the meetings that they have. And I, I think that he would be a good guy. Now the problem with Sam is I think like if you do hire Sam, you know, you want to make sure that he has because he's going to go through some struggles as a first-year head coach, he you you have to have an associate head coach there that's very knowledgeable, someone who's been around for years, and could help steer him in, in the in the right direction. Not saying he can't make decisions, but someone that he has confidence to 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 uh, to go over ideas off of. So yeah. I think that Sam is a great coach. And, and I think a lot of things is you have to have the respect of the players, especially in the NBA. And I will say that he has that.
0: So kind of like a, a Brett Brown, Mike D'Antoni or Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd. I remember they hired as well too, even though Frank Vogel did have a coaching experience before, but all right. Yeah, one more question like about, one more question like about Sam Cassell. Yeah. Obviously it's a lot different being a assistant coach, being the player development guy, being in the gym with them at like three in the morning, getting shots up and everything. How hard do you think it is to then become like the boss? You know, it's real easy to be the assistant. You know, you're uh, you're a VP guy, but then when you become the CEO, then you got to start making those decisions. You got to start rubbing guys the wrong way. Do you think that's going to be a tough transition? You know, maybe
2: not for him, but 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 it is a tough transit. I mean, yeah, it is because let's face it. Like, you know, we we all play. I'm assuming you know we all play sports, right? The mm-hmm. assistant coach is the guy that you always go to to talk smack about the coach. Yeah. Like man, why are you do this? And he's yep. like, "Nah, it's cool. Everything's gonna be all right." But well, then all of a sudden, it's like he's the guy that you're talking about, and you know, and he's the guy that has mm-hmm. to make the tough decisions, right? So, I mean, yeah, but but I also think when you're a guy who's been doing it for so long, and you've seen how Doc Rivers was able to adapt, how Ty Lu has has been able to uh, adapt another friend of his Chauncey Billups, you know, all these guys have been able to adapt, you know, you, you kind of, it takes things from them, but also like when you look at Sam, you know, Sam is, you know, yes, he, he, um, he hasn't won a championship as a coach, but he has been part of winning programs and championship caliber programs as a player, two with the Houston Rockets, one with the Celtics. So he kind of knows what it takes. So, but the only thing is, it's tough when we're talking about, we're asking these questions of him. Can he adapt to this? Can he do that? When you have other guys who have already dealt with it. And let's face it, the Sixers are desperate to get out of the second round. (laughs) They don't have time to be like, oh, well, we owe you one and we owe you another one. So that's why I think it might be tough for him to get a job if everything is equal and that, you know, these guys are remain available.
1: Yeah, it's tough too here, Keith, because then you're going to have the people inevitably who say, well, he was Doc's assistant. He's not far enough of a departure from a coach here who was kind of unpopular at the end. Like, you know, th- is it like a stigma on uh, Sam Cassell that he was Doc's assistant? You know I mean? Is that, is that like, some people probably think that may hurt him as a, as a candidate. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not, but it's like one of those optics things. You know what I'm saying? Like, is he? For, is is he? Oh, or we're just gonna fire Doc and hire his assistant. I mean, he could be a completely different dude, right? You know. But it's like people maybe think in the back of their heads, like, uh, you know, where where it's a say it's the same guy. They may have that thought, you know.
2: Yeah, I agree with you because when you think about it, let's face it. Like, Daryl Morey didn't hire Doc. You know, Doc comes from. I mean, the, Sam Cassell comes from the Doc tree, basically, yeah. Yeah. and is not the type of guy like you know. Daryl Morey likes analytics. He he likes guys who he's comfortable with. And Nick Nurse is a guy that he's extremely comfortable with and a guy who he has a great relationship with. And Nick loved working for Daryl when he was the G League coach there. It's just that he went to Toronto, which had a better, you know, had a, a seat, you know, as an assistant coach on the Toronto Raptors bench. So, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're right about, that. You're it's, right
1: about it, that. It's interesting. Cause I don't, I don't, you remember when Ime Udoka came here in twenty twenty? I guess it was. And he had been pop's assistant for like six or seven years before that. I think we asked him straight up, like, why did you come here? Because it was just kind of like a, uh, like a lateral move really I mean I mean, you know because Pops assistants A ton of them have gone on to become head coaches And he just said something to the effect of like Change of scenery like something different And then he, he was only here for one year Before he got the Celtics head coaching job you know yeah. So I keep thinking of that and I'm like well maybe Sam Cassell maybe ultimately the path for Sam Cassell Is he steps out with Another organization like away from Doc Somewhere for a year and then Like a team takes the leap on him and says okay We're going to bring in Sam Cassell and give him his His opportunity you know yeah, and 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 yeah, and was smart too by
2: coming here because when you think about it, you look at the Doc's, um, not Doc, but Brett Brown's uh, lead assistants, right? Yeah, you had uh, Mike D'Antoni went on to be become the coach of the uh, the Houston Rockets. Then you have Monty Williams, who goes on to become the the coach yeah. of the Phoenix Suns. And then Ime, like you said, he leaves here. He goes to Brooklyn for a year, though. He goes to Brooklyn for that one year. Yeah. And then after that, he becomes the Celtics head coach. So he was right. like, he was like, yo, I, <laughs> I got to get some of that.
1: No, you it's know? funny. I know it's funny how that works out. Kevin Young doing well in, in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, even Billy Lang, Billy Lang got a good college, college job. You know, I think, yeah. we still, I think we still think St. Joe's is a good college job. That's, that's you know, debatable. But, um, what, what, um, Keith, I guess, what, what, did you report, had you reported earlier in the week that Harden was opting out, um,
2: yeah. I, yeah. Like Chris Haynes had it. Chris Haynes was the guy that said he had it. But when I went to um, when I was in Chicago and for the pre-draft grant and, and, and talking to sources and talking to a lot of people and even like talking to people back in, in Houston, where what I had was the, the expectation is that he, of course, he is going to opt out, mm-hmm. but but he is going to people expect him to sign with the Houston Rockets. I mean, it's to a point where a lot of people are saying, now, again, a lot can happen, right, um, from this time until then. But the expectation around the league and the expectation with people close to him and, or people who with knowledge and also people who, uh, who live back in Houston, they all expect him to, you know, become a Houston Rocket. I mean, they've been expecting that since Christmas. You know, when, when Woj came out with that report, saying, you know, he's interested in going back there. So that is like a belief around the league. Now, who knows? You know, maybe the Sixers could could sweeten the deal. Maybe they can hire someone that he really wants to play for. But the way it looks, a lot of people at this particular time feel as if that, you know, James is going to be a
1: Houston Rocket next year. Here's here's my my thing with Harden. It's like I get the sense that a lot of Sixers fans are like, all right, whatever. He walks, he walks, we'll move on to the next thing. I just I just don't see the person out there, or the move out there, or the free agent out there who, if Harden walks, makes you just as good as you were this year or better. Like, because it's not it's not a, a a robust free agent class. I mean, you got like Chris Middleton on a player option, Kyrie's out there, Fred Van Vliet on a player option. Like, if Harden walks, okay, that's one thing. But I don't I don't know like Keith what the what the like the requisite move is then. After that, you know what I mean. Like, if you're gonna let him walk, okay, but like you got to ensure you're gonna be just as good or better. And I don't, I don't see like a like a clear path to that. Yeah, and the, the problem, not only that, is it's, it's kind, of, kind of sort of like people look at his
2: salary and say, "Oh yeah," but we can give that salary to someone else. No, they're over. They're they're like way over the, the the salary cap. So once you lose that salary, you're not going to be able to replace it with someone else, and that's part of the problem because like you know when you look at like you're right when you look at you look at James Harden and and you say to yourself about James you say like he's the best facilitator on the team you know he's the best leader from that position and you know in order for you to get someone of that ca- caliber <laughs> even though he's struggling for him to get someone of that caliber you're going to have to pay him and they're going to go where the money is. They're not going to take a minimum salary deal to come to the 76ers and play. And then you look at it like, and say, well, what type of assets do we have that we can trade someone to bring in that player? Well, the, the pair with Joel and B, You don't have those assets to get that type of player. So, you know, as much as I look at it, I don't think that they can win a championship right now with the harding and B pairing moving forward. Based off what we saw in that Game Seven and, and Game Six, but at the same time, I don't think they can afford. Also, like you said, to mm-hmm. get rid of Harden right now because you're not going to have anything else. Like there are people who say, "Well, Maxi can do it. Maxi can do it." You know what? Maybe he can fill in as a point guard, but I think that Maxi is a better two guard. He's a guy who needs to receive passes to score instead of initiating the offense and giving the ball to other people to score. You know what I mean? That's just who he is. So you're right. Like I think the Sixers right now are in a tough spot. They can't afford to uh, give Harden a bunch of money to keep him, But at the same time, they can't afford to let him go without having anything else in return.
0: Does the, does the I was listening to a podcast clip of yours when you were talking about every time that the Sixers had two days off, you know, Harden was pew over to yeah. uh, over to Houston or over to Vegas or over to AC. Does the partying factor in like partying when he's an MVP? Like, who cares? He's 27, 28 years old. He's partying, but he's putting up MVP numbers. And now but now he's going to be 33, 34, 35, 36, all the way up to whatever they got to pay him or what age. And he's go. He's not going to change. I, I don't. I don't see James Harden settling down any any anytime soon. Is this kind of does that factor into them? Uh, you know, thinking about paying him and whatnot. And was the partying ever really an issue? I mean, obviously there was a uh, there was a report by Ramona Shelburne that like Doc had to set him down midseason yeah. and whatnot. But and there was also rumors that he was in. You know, he would jet set over to AC and come back and stuff. But. Was the parting ever an issue? Did it ever really rub the people, rub people or teammates the wrong way? Or was it more front office? And this is kind of just, you know, what you've been covering the league for 20 years almost. So you know, it's it happens.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, this is like a unique situation. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I feel like the difference is that this is what Daryl Morey and um, did allowed him to do while he was in Houston. So it's tough when you go somewhere and you come somewhere and people are like, hey, well, we don't do it that way. Oh, yes, we do. This is the the general the, the Daryl Morey is in charge. So it's kind of like I feel like no one actually had a say in it. They couldn't say anything because you knew he was gonna do this. Right? Now, does it impact when you lose playoff games and you lose game sevens and you look like you look shot even though he wasn't You know, in Vegas the night before, yeah, I think it does have a little bit of an impact moving forward because what happens is then people always look for something to blame and someone to blame. And you know, I we we were at the report where, where Doc had a talk and a sit down with him, but the problem is this is a culture that was created in Houston, and he was able to do that for what nine plus years over there, and then he comes here and it's like hey, I'm back with the people who allowed me to do it. So that's the problem. But yeah, I, I can see where moving forward, you don't want something like that. You would want somebody to be a little bit more locked in. But the, here's the thing I will say about that, you know, Whenever you would go to practice or go to shoot around, he was always the last person to leave the gym. And I will say I'm in, in all my years of covering the Sixers, I have yet to see anybody work out harder than him. I mean, seriously, I was blown away by his work ethic. And I was like, I mean, seriously, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, you would go to shoot around. And after shoot around, you see this guy running stadium steps of the like arena steps. And you're like, are you serious? Like, he would do stuff like that. But then again, you know, then everybody else would say, his critics were like, yeah, but he was probably at the club last night. You know what I mean? So he's it, sweating it like, out. It like, yeah, it was like it was like a catch twenty-two. Right. But right. I'm here to say that he works hard, but you know, he also parties hard.
0: Parties hard.
1: Maybe it just comes with the territory, man. I mean, maybe that's like what like that's what you're getting with Harden, you know?
0: I gotta ask you. You covered I think you started covering the six around 04 Who partied more? AI or Harden?
2: Well, actually, I covered the Sixers uh, like starting the process years,
0: so I, I don't, I don't know, but like, but okay, I will who, say, like, partied you know, harder, Hollis Thompson or James Harden.
2: Well, <laughs> definitely, definitely, de- definitely Harden. Okay. Definitely Harden. Right. Yeah,
1: definitely. Hollis oh, Thompson. Yeah, were you watching Isaiah Cannon and uh, Sergio Rodriguez go at it in the in the Euro League final the other day? <laughs> <laughs> who
2: who won who won
1: sergio rodriguez uh real madrid well wow. oh, okay yeah sergio had a big three maybe the sixers should have never let him go yeah. do you know he was the main like he's the man in spain like in europe yeah. like
2: I, yeah he was yeah. like i remember one day i was like watch i was like looking at a gq magazine i said and i brought it in, i was like yo sergio you're on the cover And he's like yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, he didn't want anyone <laughs> to know over here. Right. And like, apparently, yeah, he has like a, a nickname over there. He can't go in the airport. He's like, he's like a God over in Europe and especially in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, he's a man.
1: Legend in Europe, legend in Spain, process legend at the same time, yeah.
0: you know? Yeah. dude, Keith, how, how awesome is it that you're one of the most memorable parts of the process? And what I would mean by that is the Sacramento Kings Sixers game that got postponed because of the wet floor. Yeah. Can you walk us can you walk us through that? I mean, that was just do you have science in your background? Because that was, I mean, it's an all-time. I think I think we have the picture, Craig. Does the, <laughs> the wet hand is one of the most memorable parts of the process hour that I'll forever always remember? Iconic. Yeah. When did you when did you think about doing that?
2: I don't know, dude. It was, that was a crazy day. You know how those days, like, oh, man, man, I don't know. I don't know what got into me. It's like, nowadays, I'm embarrassed because it's like, you know, my daughter was like, "Dad, dad, you actually touched that floor? Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, baby, yeah.
0: I don't nah. understand that it was probably pretty clean back then. They replaced the floors daily, nah, weekly. But
2: it was, yeah, it was, uh, nah, I don't know. That, that, that was a crazy day, though, because it was like, you heard stories afterwards. That, uh, like, some of the guys from the Sacramento Kings, you know, they went ahead. They knew the game wasn't going to be played. So you heard, like, later on that they were in the locker room. Did y'all hear about it? That they were in the locker room drinking? Like, like, literally, like saying, like, there's no way in heck that no way in hell they're gonna play this game. So you like, it came out later that guys was in there tasting, like, like yo. Yeah. So can you imagine if they did play the game? <laughs> yeah.
1: If they had resolved the humidity issue and they yeah. and the floor was was cleared to play, and then they yeah. had to go out and do it. yo, man. yeah, yeah.
0: like Marcus like, Cousins a six pack deep on the trying to post up Joel Embiid, like, yeah, yeah, like, oh man, the Kings got smashed today. <laughs> On and off the court.
1: Hey Keith, oh, uh, before I let you go, I gotta ask uh, with, uh, about the outlook for your uh, your Pitt Panthers this year. Good good year, bad year, lukewarm. I think they're
2: gonna do better than West Virginia. You know what I mean? That's all that matters, right? West That's West not, West not West
1: a hot take. We are we are dog shit right now. So <laughs> I
2: don't know, man. It's it's kind of like Pitt. They had the one good year. They may get better, but. You know, I'm I'm a little disappointed because you know, I wish that I, I think West Virginia and Pitt should both be in the Big 10 or you know what I mean or or someone be just I don't know, I think like recruiting wise it's hard to tell a kid like, "Oh yeah, we're going to Oklahoma or we're going to Texas or we're, yeah. we're we're going to Florida state." And like, "Huh?" Like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's just it's just tough, you know. Yeah, so, yeah you
1: recruit you're recruiting some kid from Western PA and it's like um yeah, we got uh Kansas State coming up, you know, on the schedule. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of exactly. watching, you know, so we we played, you know, West Virginia and Pitt opened the college football season last year. And that was the first time the backyard brawl had been played in years. And I was, I was just watching that game. I'm like, like, yo, like we gotta play this every year. And it was just exactly. I just felt this thing inside of me. I'm like, how did they let this lapse for so long where we didn't play you guys? You guys had a series with, with Penn State now they're off your schedule they're on our schedule but like all those teams like like all those yeah. teams should be playing each other every year it was just disappointing cuz like you know this is such a good game how did we you know let it go for as long as we did you know exactly and especially i mean
2: for recruiting and it makes all the teams better like i think now penn state is like forget it we're getting our money we're in the big 10 forget yeah. you. but uh, but i think that uh you know, Pitt and, and WVU has suffered because of it. And and I, I get it, like, the at the point we all thought the money was great and the money is great, you know, the Big 12 money and the ACC money, but at the same time not getting the same recruits. Think about all the kids from Western PA and Philadelphia that used to go to WVU, you know what I mean, the top kids. And, you know, now, like, they're all going to Penn State or or – I hate to say it, Maryland Rutgers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. because yeah. mom and dad can't afford to, to, to fly everywhere. They have to drive to go to games and they can drive the, to Michigan. They can drive to, you know, places like that. So
0: Here, Here's me playing the smallest violin for the death of the Big East football because you know who got screwed the most? Temple football got screwed the most in the Big East. <laughs> yeah, I know okay? That's who got <laughs> screwed the most in the Big East. I'm not worrying about Pitt. And West Virginia, We've you better blame, 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 writer,
2: blame, v- um, blame Villanova. Yeah, screw Jay Wright. <laughs> I... Yeah, because you know I was a temple, I was a temple beat writer at that time, and I remember when they're like, yeah, they're going in the Big East, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, everyone was excited, like they had a press conference at the Big East basketball tournament, and everyone was excited. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh well, all the Catholic schools are leaving. Yep, we're yes. like, what?
0: And then, oh, yeah,
2: but they're taking the name with them. And then all of a sudden, they start bringing in all these other schools. And you're like, this ain't the Big East. (laughs)
0: Yeah. People people forget. Jay Wright was scared of Temple. People forget. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: So, Hey, Keith. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you coming on shedding some light on the coaching search and James Harden and everything. And good luck with everything. We'll keep reading you and whatnot. And, hey, have a good weekend. Have a good Memorial Day weekend, all right? Yeah,
2: I try to. I try to. But hey, y'all, I want to thank y'all um for having me on the on the show. Really, I really appreciate
1: it. Anytime, brother. brother. I'll try to. I will try to get my ass back down there at some point. I think I only went to one game last year. I'll try to do better next year. So. Yeah, come
2: on down, man. Come on
0: down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, brother. You See, you, Keith. Oh man, thanks for Keith Pompey for coming on. Hey, we got about five more minutes. I want to talk about one other thing. Um, what do you think of Howie versus Florio? <laughs> I thought it was great. I think people went a little bit overboard with it. I thought Florio did a great job of asking those questions and pressing Howie. I thought he did it in a respectable manner. He is a little bit of a ghoul, as Anthony Gargano would say. Uh, he's a little, got a little bit of lawyer in him. He's kind of annoying in that way. But like, I yeah. thought he was pretty fair on it. And I thought Howie was awesome the way he kind of just read the talking points. And I thought Florio was great for calling him out for the talking points. What was your, uh, what was your, your uh, thought on it? Two guys both doing their jobs. Yeah, yeah. I, right. guess, I think um, it's fair. Yeah. I don't. I didn't have any
1: any problem with people. That thing. Eagles fans very parochial, very patriarchal. Otherwise, going to defend God. Howie, and they're going to oh, defend the players. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, Florio, his his thing is that I, I think this helps with the context is that he's written on PFT before that he kind of theorized his like conspiracy theory is that the timeline and the process of the hiring may. um how did he explain it we have we have the quote
0: craig can you pull the quote up you're talking about the brian flores situation correct yeah
1: yeah that it may have that it may compromise like the brian flores thing that the reason that the nfl doesn't want to talk about it the reason that Howie doesn't want to talk about okay i'll just i'll just read read this verbatim here uh they want us to keep going to not pay attention to the man behind the curtain like always they use the ultimate off-season bright shiny object as a shield for the nfl's efforts to conceal the facts and circumstances resulting in the unprecedented settlement of a tampering case it felt uh, carefully cultivated and manicured. So why are they hiding the truth? One potential explanation is that the circumstances surrounding the hiring of Gannon could potentially strengthen a claim that Brian Flores could make regarding Arizona's failure to hire him for the job in retaliation for his pending litigation against the league and multiple teams. Another potential explanation is Chris Sims identified is that the truth would spark a groundswell that would force the NFL to finally revolutionize its hiring cycle, end quote. So the point being that, you know, the, the thought here that maybe Howie wants to just avoid this, like the plague because it's trends into some kind of legal racial territory with the Brian Flores stuff. Whereas I think most like people like me are just like, like they, they you know, assistants and coordinators go to other teams all the time. This is not that big of a deal, but maybe there's more,
0: complication from a from a macro level pagan there you go bingo board um here's what here's how to fix it there's always going to be tampering but don't interview people until after the super bowl
1: well yeah i mean that's got to be the solution right because it because it just look you if you if you can't hire guys until after the super bowl the draft is in like late April, right? So say, you back, say yeah,
0: push it back a week or two too. Like, is anyone not going to watch the draft because it's in late no. April when in early May? <laughs>
1: no, I know. I mean, if Gannon, if Gannon had gone to you know, say pick an arbitrary date, March first, right? Say yeah. Gannon was hired. Say there was a two week hiring process after the Super Bowl. Gannon got the Arizona job and his first day it was March first. He'd still have six or seven weeks to put a staff together and get everybody on the same page for the draft and do all that. So I don't think it would change anything. And then you would like you would. You know, put put an end to this process of like, you know, interviewing guys who were still employed by other teams and like uh, having to do Super Bowl prep and like talking to the freaking Cardinals, you know. But again, it's it it makes me laugh, man, because nobody gives a half a flying shit about Shane Steichen going to the Colts.
0: Right. John McMullen said that he was already hired before the Super Bowl.
1: Right. So the only difference in the Gannon case is that Gannon's defense did a shitty job in the Super Bowl. So people are putting together some cockamamie thing where they think it's like, well, you know, he was putting his staff together or he was like studying that Cardinals roster and he wasn't working on pre-snap motion, uh, you know, strategy or something. I just find that to be bullshit because I don't think that like I think they did all the prep work that they could possibly do. I just think the Chiefs cooked them on some stuff.
0: Yeah, so I don't, don't think I don't, you I don't, I don't think you game plan for 21 games then on the 22nd game you're like, you know what? I got a job, you know, I'm in the Sur- I'm in the Super Bowl and mm, screw it. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I think everybody's dream is to win a Super Bowl, whether you're, you know, going to have a head coaching job or whether you're like the towel boy. Like everyone's everyone is so jacked up for a Super Bowl that I wouldn't I like you just said I wouldn't think he was going to put his, you know, coaching staff together. And when I don't think he was talking to Nick Rawls and being like, "Hey buddy, you're coming with me." Like, well I think that
1: right right and I think that there's the case of diminishing returns on things like that where the first like 10 hours that you spend game planning for the Super Bowl super meaningful very important when you get to hour like 11 12 13 14 how much more are you adding or learning that you didn't that you didn't already go over in the first 10 hours you and I can do show prep for this show for like 8 hours and like the first 6 like okay we got all the questions like we got our topics what, in hour seven, what is it? Okay. We're, you know, we, now we know the topics even better than we already did, but it's not, you're not really adding much. Like it's finite, man. You hit a wall with that stuff at, at some some point, you know, how much more planning would, was there to do?
0: It's you know? just like the Trey Turner thing that we talked about earlier. I mean, he was in the cage every single day doing more work than Kevin Long's ever seen. And he was still <laughs> going two for 20 in a slump. Like at some point it's like, Hey man, yeah. don't come to the cage today. Just go out and don't even take batting practice. Just go out and, 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 Get your mind right and just go hit the baseball.
1: If Jonathan Gannon did three years of game planning for the Super Bowl, do you think that would have prevented Andy Reid from finding this little exploitation on film? Like, seriously, would how, you can't say that it would have made a difference because you don't know. Like, would he be sitting there watching the film for the 10 hundredth time and then something clicks in his head and he goes, oh, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I think you get to a point where you do your planning and your planning is done. And then, like, I don't really know what else you're you're adding –
0: beyond that you know it's just i agree i agree um when did howie roseman become cool He's kind of cool every interview i've seen in the last like two years it's kind of cool He cracks a little jokes it's yeah. kind of like a guy you'd actually want to get a beer with like this is like very different than like 2012 2013 2014 howie roseman like this is like cool confident howie he's cool as shit i like howie
1: yeah. Trying to think when the actual moment was because if he won the Super Bowl, he was getting killed for the two years after that. So it was probably when they when he was able to work himself out of the Car- Carson Wentz thing and, and realize that he had a franchise QB and Jalen Hurts, you know.
0: You know, yeah, it was probably when of, he went down to the Texans. Remember when he went down to the Texans and the guy was like, thank you for the Super Bowl, even though you uh, drafted or Raider yeah, or something that. You, he's like that? Fuck you. Fuck you, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. wow,
1: how, how he's kind of cool. <laughs> Quick uh, flyers note here from Philly fan. He says, Cutter Godier is looking uh, really good in the world championships. Flyers yeah. rebuilding, looking
0: good. Prove it on the ice. Prove it on the NHL ice. Hey, by the way, shout out to uh, the Claude Giroux-led Florida Panthers going to the Stanley Cup final. Good luck, boys. Yeah, Rush
1: Joy will be on later to talk about that
0: <laughs>
1: while I go get lunch.
0: Oh, man! hey, Dawkins, take me out to the ballgame. Scale of 1 to 10. 10?
1: I refuse to answer that out of respect to uh, Weapon That's
0: X. Some people did get really upset at us. They that, always like, do.
1: There's some There's some people who you just cannot, like Meryl Reese.
0: Uh, yeah, They're like, are, are, we had a couple Instagram co- uh, quotes or comments, and it was like, are you making fun of the goat right now? Yeah, it's tough, man. You gotta be careful. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be Johnny,
1: careful. Boom, Johnny Boom
0: Johnny Boombats was not happy that we were putting up the uh no. the Rudy Toot 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 Dawkins uh take me out to the ball game. Hey, listen, I don't think the earpiece was working. I don't think the organ guy cued him in right. I mean, mm-hmm. you used to be in a band, Kev. How important is the earpiece?
1: Well, we didn't we only played little shitty bars, so we never needed an earpiece. But if, to have the drummer like in sync and everybody in rhythm, yeah, that was that was uh we stumbled through some bad covers, man. I don't I don't know how we did it, but I, I can. Yes, I can sympathize with uh, with uh, B-Doc there. There's here's a real, real quick story. Funny story Um <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. But like five or six years ago, I don't know if it was Kyle or Russ. Somebody wrote like an anti Meryl Reese story for the website. I think it was like he was Kyle you know, like, he's getting, like he's getting old or he's getting like, you know, up there and like he's starting to slip or whatever. Right. And <laughs> that story went up. And it was up for maybe 10 minutes. And then it got pulled down. <laughs> taking off the site. It's like, we're taking this shit off the site. It got so many negative comments and like just a, like a span of not even 15 minutes. And they're like, oh, fuck it. It's not worth it, you know. However, I'm not going to say it was true. It, it was it was like well written. There were points in it. It wasn't like some shit. Yeah, yeah. it was a shit post. It, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like just killing him unfairly. It was like a like a like, hey, like Dick Stockton's like starting to forget shit and like he's old and whatever. Like Merrill's getting up, you know, Merrill's getting up in age with these guys. But Al i mean, Michaels. The, point of, the point of Al Michaels. Yeah, the point of the story is that like you can never go after Merrill Reese. You're just going to get your head ripped off.
0: Yeah, there's so, certain guys. Cataldi, fair game. Well, yeah. as you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would say that you can't go after Merrill Reese. Can't go after B-Doc. Zoom um, off. Zoo. Yeah. Not that anyone ever would. He was still at the top of his game no, when he left. No, that's no, true. Well, that's the thing. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. And we're not going after B-Doc for football. We're going after his, for his, for his uh, singing, you know. Bryce so, yeah.
0: Harper's kind of going into that mold. He's getting there. Yeah. yeah. Jalen Hurst right behind him. Joel Embiid two weeks ago was kind of there. And then yeah. that was a quick 180. Well now um, the
1: fans are different too. Like you go after the players a little bit, the fans like vehemently side with the players and you know give you the shitty, shitty media, fake media angle too. Yeah. So that's yeah. new.
0: That's it's like it's like it's like jumping in on like your favorite politician. It's like that motherfucker does not care about you. He would not stop to pee on you if you were on fire right now. Uh, yeah. that's kind of the way I look at it. People that go so nuts. Um, you can go after T Mac, correct? Cruk. Kyle felt some some, a visceral effect of going out of his Ruben Amaro Jr. over John Cruck debate. Uh, nobody sided with Kyle as they shouldn't have, even though Cruck doesn't know the rules. Um, but anyway, anything else before we go? No, man, it was a good show.
1: We'll get you up here sometime and put you on the riding mower.
0: Like take it like out for what? it's like, It'll be fun. like it's like a fucking tractor at a Mary Mead farm or something like that. You're just going to like put me on the mower. <sighs> It's like a new,
1: it's like a new thing. It's like you get a new vehicle. It's like hey, look at my new car. You know, you want to take the new car out for a spin? It's a, it's <laughs> badass. You know?
0: What's the APR you got on that? What's the what's the miles to the gallon on that? What's the miles to the uh, to the battery on that bad boy? I think you're supposed
1: to be able to mow up the two acres on it. I don't have two acres though, so it doesn't. I got the whole yard done on like fifty percent, and then I plugged it into the wall and I blew out my microwave. So God. Yeah, apparently what I've learned is that the microwave takes a lot of power. So it's supposed to be on its own dedicated circuit. And I plugged the microwave and the riding mower charger into the same circuit, and it went poof. So, yeah. Then I went and fucked oh, okay. around with the breaker box for a little bit. Didn't really know what I was doing and called an electrician. So,
0: I like that you got a little little bit of Kelly Green in there, you know, sympathi- sympathizing to the uh, to the Eagles fans. And whatnot. I remember mowing, so the lawn,
1: saving, mowing the lawn, saving the environment. Yeah. Go going birds green. Going green <laughs> Kelly green
0: <laughs> Oh my god Yes if, it's good Four Ford asks is it good It's good. It's very good If if 15 yeah. year old Kevin could see him now Kick your it's own great, ass man.
1: Feels great All Spend, right. I'm going to
0: save an hour and a half
1: every week mowing the lawn What will I do with that hour and a half Blog posts <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're choosing your time wisely. I'm glad you got nine. I'm glad you got an hour back in your schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, hey, Keith Pompeii, thank you for coming on, my man. Thank you to Craig yeah. on the ones and twos. Cute little haircut you got back there, Craig. Shout out to Kevin. Shout out to you, the listener. You have a great weekend. Ford, your Celtics are on the ropes. Good luck tonight.